The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Fantasy NBA Today returns. What's happening, everybody? I am Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. And after a slightly longer than weekend layoff, I think the first time, might be the first time in this show's history that we just haven't had a show for a couple of days when normally scheduled. We didn't have a show when normally scheduled. But... As I mentioned on Wednesday's show from last week, the reasons were good ones. I am now the proud father of another little boy. I call him Teddy. His name is Theodore. And my wife and I will argue about nicknames for the next... I'm looking at her as I'm recording this. How long? What'd she say? 18. That's it. That's all we're going to argue. 18 years we're going to argue about the nickname, and then I guess the kid can pick whatever the hell he wants to get called. So welcome to the world, little Teddy. And time for me to figure out what the hell's going on with basketball. So timing-wise, this is sort of interesting, isn't it? Uh, baby born in a global contagion. We'll certainly have a story to tell him when he's a little bit older, but at least for podcast's sake, not a lot happened over the last five days. A few things, and we'll talk about those related, obviously, to the coronavirus. That's what we're tracking throughout this whole thing. We're almost three weeks now since the NBA put the season on hold back on the 11th of March. That'll be coming up two days from today. We can kind of do a little bit of a check-in on that front. And I think that'll really be what we cover today, kind of what's been going on. What are some of the stories kicking around in the NBA world? We've seen some indications of what the NBA top brass have I say come up with they're just floating ideas at this point because we're still quite a bit away from actually getting any new sports being played but you're starting to hear some ideas getting floated and you also got a little bit of news on the you know who's testing who's not front which we'll cover as well so certainly uh, we'll start with the the good news I suppose the basically every player from that first batch of coronavirus positive tests. Remember, we talked about that, I think, on the show from the 18th or the 19th of March, which at the time I said, look, this is no reason to be concerned. This is what we expected. The NBA shut down the season on the 11th. People had already been exposed up to that day, so you figure folks would be starting to show symptoms from those exposures for basically the next week. I know they say it could take 14 days to incubate, but for the most part, you're seeing people show symptoms by about a week later. So call that the 18th. And the players that we were hearing getting tested were part of team-wide tests, teams that had been exposed to sort of the patient zero situation that was at the time Rudy Gobert. And so they were just getting their tests back on the 18th and 19th that they had taken on the 13th and the 14th. So that wasn't a surprise at all. These were guys that had been exposed probably as early as the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, and developed symptoms a little bit under a week later, got their test, took four or five days to get that. And then as on the opposite side of that same story, I mentioned, look, we shouldn't be surprised that we're not hearing much about NBA players testing positive now since that first wave because that was 
part of the, we're going to take, I think it was, I don't know, seven or eight teams. It's now a couple weeks back, and it feels like about two years ago. A, a handful of teams got the entire staff, the coaching staff, the team staff, the, 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 the traveling personnel, the team itself, all got tested. And so we were getting our results from those. What's happened since then, presumably, is that some players have had it and we just haven't heard about it because that's the way our medical system works. It was actually kind of weird that we heard about some of these other guys. For instance, the four Brooklyn Nets, the one member of the Denver Nuggets who went unnamed. We actually got a few names in that mix. Marcus Smart kind of just said, hey, one of them's me. He didn't have to. Uh, Kevin Durant also did a similar thing. Hey, one of them's me. We we don't need to know. They, they didn't need to tell us. The only one that was revealed by a non-patient source, as I recall, was Donovan Mitchell. That one, I think, shams broke, which is weird unless Donovan Mitchell actually expressly said to him, yes, it's me, you can tell people. I don't really know how that one took place. Maybe they felt like because we were all waiting on what was going to come of that March 11th Jazz Thunder game. Regardless, we haven't heard of anybody. Well, except one. We'll get to him in a minute. We haven't heard of any players testing positive or team staff effectively at this point testing positive since that initial wave of about eight guys, players or staff, that we heard about during the week after the shutdown began. We're a little over a week. Uh, well, I think we're actually closing out in about 10 or so days since California went into a shelter-in-place situation. So lockdowns are... That was around when they started. I think Washington was first. I think California and Ohio were second on that chart. I, I might be getting this, some of this stuff wrong. I mean, we've been watching this news for a few weeks now. But in terms of when you expect to see things happen, and we've talked about this math equation before... Because of the five to seven day incubation, because it sounds like the symptoms ramp up over the first three to seven days of the disease, most of what happens happens about two weeks after initial exposure. So the stuff around the NBA has probably kind of come and gone a little bit, assuming the players and the staff have done their jobs and have quarantined the way they were supposed to. That's why we're not hearing about that stuff. Aside from one man, we've got one report over the last five days while I've been MIA for new childbirth-related stuff. James Dolan. James Dolan is the only NBA-related coronavirus-positive news we've heard in five days. And that one you can probably chalk up not to the NBA side of things, but to his... Location. He's in the U.S.'s epicenter in New York. He could have gotten any any one of a million spots out there. I mean, that that poor city is getting clobbered right now. It's so densely populated. They're trying to, to slam the lid on this thing. And, oh, man, we really hope that they can. But I don't think that you can say definitive. We can't say definitively the other way either. But I, I certainly don't think you can say that James Dolan 
contracted cor- this novel coronavirus because of an NBA connection. In fact, I would, if someone told me, Dan, you have to pick one side as to where he actually encountered it, I would say probably from some non-NBA-related activity. A family member, someone he ran into on the street. I mean, it could be anything. There's a lot of cases in New York right now. We are sending our thoughts without question. I know it's bad here in California, It's not, but it's not close to what they got going on in New York right now. So if you have a moment while listening to this podcast, just take a sec and, and think about the folks in New York City jammed in there, high-rises and all, tiny little apartments. It is closely, closely packed. Please be safe. Please be safe. So I don't know what's going to come of this James Dolan thing. I'm sure that's a story that will develop over the next couple of days. We'll hopefully, you know, as much as he has taken a juicy wet dump on the Knicks franchise here, you don't, you don't wish this kind of thing on people. You just don't. Even the people you don't like. The select few people on the, on the face of the earth where you're just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. But... So hopefully he's okay. Maybe a brush with demise and a full recovery will give him a new look on, I don't know, the NBA. He did just sell the forum. I think that was the last show we did. We talked about Steve Ballmer buying the forum from James Dolan. So he's been in the news a couple of times. We did get some good news on the coronavirus testing front, and that's the NBA players, at least a handful of the ones we knew about, have now shaken the symptoms, whatever they may be. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Marcus Smart, and Christian Wood, who were among four of the eight, I believe it was eight, people, players, or staff that had been confirmed as positive across the NBA, uh, are officially COVID-free now, so that's good doesn't really tell us anything that we didn't know already, which is that what I just said about five minutes ago, it's going to run its course. This was stuff that was taking place around the time the NBA shut down, and that's almost three weeks ago. So you buy yourself, well, with Gobert, he already had it. Donovan Mitchell had it. I believe he's asymptomatic, but he already had it as of that day. So yeah, they should have been healthy for sure by now. But even the guys... The second wave, if you want to call them that, guys, that were probably incubating the illness on the 11th, had it within a day or two later, they have also now recovered. Those are the good stories. There are thousands of bad stories out there. That's not really what this podcast is about. And honestly, from a mental health standpoint, I have to say to you guys, with the the caveat, of course, that you can... can amass, you can take in, you can process the news any way that you like. I would never tell you you have to do something. This is merely a suggestion. And the suggestion is, don't read every story about this. We know pretty much what we know at this point. Scientists will make the big strides going forward, and when they do, we'll find out about them. But on a day-to-day basis, to hear about the, the horror stories, the, the cities, the, the states that aren't getting the things they, they need, the ramping up, the, the curves that are escalating in some states and not in others. This is a way to drive yourself completely mad during a quarantine, which many of us are right now. And I know what you're thinking, Dan. What the hell am I going to look at then? Because my Twitter feed 
is like 80% horrifying coronavirus-related stories. And Dan, I can't, this is still you talking, by the way, part of the same quote. Dan, I can't just disappear for five days for the birth of a child. I'm sitting here in whatever state of life I may be in. I have to do something. And when I put on the TV, it's COVID stories. When I turn on Twitter, it's COVID stories. And Facebook is COVID. And everything, it's, you're surrounded by it. I know it, man. I really do. And that's why I would say do this. This is my suggestion because I think there are ways that you guys can take this suggestion and you can make it fit for your brain. Set a daily max. Set a daily max on, it doesn't have to be screen time because, you know, maybe you do something else on your phone or your TV or whatever it might be. But a daily max on how much digging, real, full processing you're doing of stories around this illness. I put an hour on myself. One hour is the most amount of time that I'll think about this in a meaningful way. And it's always going to be in the back of all of our heads. There's no avoiding that. Especially right now, you know, I'm thinking about my my five-day-old kid. And I know you guys all have someone that you're thinking about when, when that pops into your head as well. You can't help that. There's no way to completely block that out. Brew would suggest meditation, and maybe that works for you. Doesn't work for me. We're sort of in our own place. For me, the way that I've been able to do it is to create this barricade of not reading the deep stories, not going through the comments on a Twitter thread, and just trying to put that upper upper limit on how much you force-feed your brain the sad, the scary. I think it was Kareem who I saw on my... <laughs> on my Twitter feed. And Lord knows thousands of people have said this exact phrase before, but the one that I remember from these five days of bleary-eyed weirdness is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar reminding everybody to control the things that you can control. That's the thing that was putting my chest in knots. And you know how hard I, I work to keep this podcast apolitical, so I don't want you guys to interpret this the wrong way. But when I heard that there were suggestions of reopening the country in the next week and a half, my insides just turned into a knot. Because the first thing I thought was, holy crap, if that happens, I really can't go outside with my infant for months. For months. It tore me up. But this is why we can't bury ourselves in this stuff. You just, you just can't do it. So try to put an upper limit on this thing. Try not to completely inundate yourself with it. Whatever's going on. Think about it a little bit, because it's part of our lives. There's no way to avoid it. But try not to make it, especially the negative stuff. Look for, look for fleeting reasons for hope. Whatever they may be. A flattening curve, a lowering infection rate. Stories of people doing nice things for one another. But, man, it's just you can't go too far down that rabbit hole. You're going to lose your damn mind. I hope you'll join me in this game of mental gymnastics to not go crazy. Because I'll tell you, 
Uh, we over here in the Bespers household went into isolation, I think, on the 13th. So two days after the NBA shut down, I opened up a public storage unit. And we were going to try to clean out our apartment to make room for the uh, impending child. Which, by the way, wasn't uh, Theodore wasn't due until this Wednesday, April 1st. We were told to just have it a week early so that we could avoid any hospital rush, any potential exposures, at least as best we could. So that's why he's out already. Uh, but I went to public storage a couple times that Friday, that Saturday. Didn't, uh, didn't touch anything. Used my knuckles to push buttons, elbows, and so forth. And then since then, let's see. I think on the uh, 18th, I went to a supermarket. The 23rd, I went to a supermarket. And the 25th, we went to the hospital. And that's been it. Left my damn house three times. Yowza. So, put all of this stuff together. By the way, I want to, once again, uh, take a second to appreciate my wife for all she's done in this in this mayhem. Uh, giving birth trying to keep us safe the whole thing it's a it's a new world man it's a new world with two kids that uh, you guys have all been trying to warn me and then you just you sort of know it's going to be crazy but you got to feel it out a little bit when it gets there I, the other thing i want to talk about on today's sort of welcome back to the madness show is some of the some of the ways the nba has been throwing these are these are these are test balloons i think on ways that they might be able to get things back together. And as noted earlier in the podcast, we're still a long way away from anything tangible actually taking place on this front. And, you know, every week or so, I probably... What have I done on this show? I think I've taken a minute or two to try to guess what we're aiming for here. Most recently, I think... And we were talking about the... And I know I keep saying I think because the last few days have been a little bit of a blur... We were talking about Mark Cuban suggesting that the NBA is trying to get games happening before June 1st, which right now feels like a stretch. But at the same time, think about where we were when the NBA suspended play less than three weeks ago. It feels like it's been two and a half years and it's been two and a half weeks. Who knows? Who I mean, really, who knows what we're going to be looking at in a week, in two weeks, in three weeks? I keep hearing about how cases are going to be increasing or decreasing or leveling off. No one really knows for sure. If people are actually obeying the stay-at-home rules in many spots, then within a couple of weeks, you should actually see things leveling, and then start to decrease. People get sick. People get better or don't. But if no one knew or very few new people get sick, the number should come down. I mean, it's just math at that point. Now, for the NBA, which is sort of a, not that small, but relatively small chunk of business across the country. You know, I mean, it's it's a large business, but it's not huge. There's 30 teams. What did we say? Some, what did I, what was the number I came up with a couple weeks ago? I said like 40 essential personnel. I think I said it was about 1,200 people. 
would probably need to be involved in the NBA in some way. And you could pare it down to smaller than that if you absolutely had to. No question. But for our argument's sake, let's just say 1,200. We talked about maybe doing a tournament in one city. Well, we've heard the NBA talking about that and basically, you know, creating a a self-quarantining bubble where no one can leave or no one can really do anything. The NBA players can only hang out with other people in that same circle. If anybody does anything else, presumably they just wouldn't be allowed to play. I think that would have to be the punishment, right? The one thing that I still don't know is what happens if even one player ends up testing positive in that situation. But we've heard the NBA discuss this possibility. They mentioned it as two locations. So you'd sort of split the league between the two. I don't know if teams would be traveling between them because presumably if you're going to play a bunch of regular season games before the playoffs begin, teams aren't going to... What are you going to do? Just have them play the other 14 teams in your location? That doesn't really make sense. And it's frankly, it's not fair. Nothing that they do is going to be totally fair. They're going to have to just pick, most likely, the games that are going to play unless they just ram the whole season into, you know, two-thirds the length that it was going to be. When the season season shut down on March 11th, you were talking about basically 35 days left in the regular season. Thereabouts. Season ended, or would have. I speak of it as though it's the past tense, but the day is actually still in the future. On April 15th, could you jam effectively five weeks of games? I think it was actually six weeks. Am I getting that right? I know it's five weeks. About five weeks of games into three and a half or four weeks? What if the season could still start sometime in June? Would that be early enough to play four weeks of regular season games? Would anybody care? And then the playoffs, which would probably also have to be in those quarantined locations. So you're talking about now 1,200 players and staff... or split between two places and 600 and 600 for the remainder of the regular season. Then you cut that in half every single time you advance. When the playoffs start, 16 teams out of 30 go on. So effectively, we're cutting it in half, plus 40. So between 600 and 700 people. At the end of that round, you trim it down to some 300 to 400 people, and then it's down to a couple hundred. And at that point, once you have, you know, two, 300 people spread out in an arena or a hotel, you basically don't even see one another anymore. So that's easy. You know, two, four, eight teams quarantined in a city, in a single hotel, in a single venue, that's easy. Jamming all the games into the end of the regular season, to me, is the hard part, which makes me think, I just, I don't know how they actually play out the entire regular season, and then how do you pick which games actually happen? Do you just pick up where you left off, and what, lop off the final two weeks of the regular season, play three weeks instead of five? It'd be really hard to jam in all of the games in two arenas... 
So now you've got all these teams playing in the same place. So, you, you, I mean, at that point, you're basically saying, look, everybody's going to play almost every day, morning through night. You play every other day, and you, so you have like four games in an arena every day. So two arenas, meaning eight games a day, every day, between whenever it starts back up at the end of the regular season. I think LeBron actually came out and said, I don't want anything to do with being basically locked in either a shuttle bus, a hotel, or the arena. For for teams that are expecting to go far in the playoffs, that could be almost three months. Which, now, hold on just a minute. You know, we have to we have to think this through. When you say it out loud, it feels like a long time. But at the same time, it's quite conceivable that if this thing, let's say, let's let's go real early here with a guess that's almost definitely not going to happen. Let's say the season starts back by sometime in the in late May, which feels incredibly unlikely, but just for this discussion, let's say that's the case. If these guys all end up quarantined in a hotel, in shuttle bus, in arena, from late May to mid-August, that's actually not that much longer than some of us might end up being quarantined anyway. You know, there are states that have already extended their stay-at-home order through parts of June. The NBA is like, look, let's get this thing going. Let's lock us down until uh, the end of July or early August. These are people that might be locked down in their cities anyway. Like, go play some basketball. How to get this whole thing started is the part that completely eludes me still. Once it gets started, I feel like the logistics are actually workable. But I don't know how you ensure... That all, well, I guess you'd have to have every single player go to this location two weeks early, get tested every three or four days while waiting for the season to start back up, and then every single person has to pass that test, but they can't actually see anyone else during those weeks while they're waiting on the results? I don't know about that one. So these players in my mind then, would have to go to this city, quarantine themselves in a hotel room for a week and a half probably, call it 10 days, so that they're not interacting with anybody else. I don't know how they practice. How do they practice? Sounds hard. It all sounds hard to me. It's going to be difficult. They certainly want to do it. But it's a hard sport to pull off. Because it's like the ultimate sweat-on-people sport. Everybody's all up on each other's business at all, all, at all times in the NBA. Baseball, you actually wear a glove on one hand. <laughs> this game is tailor-made to play in a, in a quarantine. Everybody stand. Uh, you three, you three go out into this big grass field, and I want you each to stand about 150 to 200 feet from one another. How does that sound? For social distancing. The umpire and the catcher, they're going to have to figure out a way to put a little space between those two guys. And are we worried about the ball? Meh. I mean, the pitchers are going to have to stop going to their mouth. Put like a little, put a little cup of water behind the pitcher's mouth and go to that instead. Don't touch your, don't touch your tongue. Chew gum, 
spit. I mean, whatever you got to do, but just don't touch your mouth. What do I think is going to happen? That's how I always end these segments. After looking at all the data and hearing the discussion and seeing the way this thing, this, this pandemic is evolving over time, I do think we see NBA come back at some point. I don't think we see regular season games. And if we do, I, don't, I think there'll be exhibition. I don't know how they make them count. I think that the standings, the playoff standings right now is how they're going to have to send them in. I, I don't know how you do it any other way. Unless the only way around this, in my mind, is for the NBA to wait so long so as to be very safe, they can go without fans. I don't care about that. But we have to level this thing, and we have to stop creating an environment where a lot of people have the disease. Because right now, still so many people have it and are just wandering around or are quarantined, hopefully, with it, even asymptomatically, that you just can't put people together for a while yet until this big pop sort of fizzles. Let's say that the NBA waits until mid-June to play fanless games, or even the end of June, if you want to, if you want to aim a little bit later. July 1st. What if they then played it at the normal pace? Play out the schedule basically the way it was, or, I mean, you can jam it in. Call, you know, play it in four weeks instead of five. That takes you to July 28th. The playoffs start basically August 1st. And normally the playoffs are two months long, but let's also remember that the first two rounds take a month, the last two rounds take a month. There is a way to squeeze that in, and it's called not making the last two rounds take a month. I don't need to have a I don't need to have two days off between finals games. I, I love basketball. I love basketball. You guys know that from listening to this podcast. You know how excited I get talking about the game. I think Honestly, really, there the two things, three things that I hate the most about basketball. We all have things that are that bug us. I love the sport. I love it. I mean, would I be covering it if I didn't love it? But there are three things about basketball that drive me absolutely crazy. One of them is this the sliding charge call. Just get rid of it. It's really, it's super unsafe. I hate that so many guys have now started to make a career of sliding underneath people in midair. And it's dangerous. These guys are way the hell off the ground. I hate fouling out. I think it's stupid. I think that we've come to watch, we want to watch the best of the best of the best. And if some ticky-tack foul gets called on a guy that forces him to the bench and plays a 22-minute game instead of 32, that's bad for the fans. If he picks up his sixth foul, make it a technical. Give the team an extra free throw. Gives his coach something else to think about. Hey, do I leave this guy in with four fouls in the third quarter? The answer is probably yeah, because generally these things even out over a game. And if a guy hits six fouls early, well, maybe that day he should have been benched. But I hate fouling out. I think it's I think it's idiotic. And I know I'm probably in the minority on that one because people don't like to make big changes to a game that they've come to love. But I just I see no reason why we should be taking the most fun players out of the game. And the third thing that I can't stand is that the finals take two weeks or more. What are we doing here, guys? There's a day off in between games, even without travel. Okay, fine. But then you don't need two days off when you're traveling. 
How long do we think it takes to get from Toronto to Golden State? Two days? What are they riding the damn train? It's five hours. It's a five-hour flight. I worked in minor league baseball. I happened to work in a city where the longest bus ride we took was a little over four hours, but nobody gave everybody two days off there, and I know the NBA guys are running more than the baseball players are on a day-to-day basis, but two days off in between games? Come on! It's so easy to chew up a week. You can easily get a week back. Okay, so let's do that. Instead of two full months for the playoffs, let's call it six-plus weeks. So in this instance... Six-plus weeks for the playoffs starting on August 1st takes you into mid-September. Which is normally when teams are gearing up for training camp. But you can't do that. You've got to give them a couple months off. So training camp then probably moves to November. And the season probably starts in December. Are we willing to do this? To finish this season? I am. You create a schedule for next year that's a little bit shorter. And as we talked about before... You start regaining days slowly but surely. Don't do it all at once. Don't try to slam 82 games between December and April. Instead of having the playoffs start, what did we just say it was going to be? The playoffs started on August 1st. In this case, the regular season ended in late July. You try to make it so that the regular season ends in June. You, re- you recapture a month. Or a month and a half of the three you're losing. Recapture it over two years. Or you just move the schedule around. You just have the season run from like November to May instead of October to April. For the foreseeable future. Or hell, I don't care. Move it a week earlier every year for the next eight years. It's doable, guys. It's really doable. Shave off a week in the offseason, shave off a week in the playoffs, shave off a week in the regular season, gain three weeks back every year for three years, you're good. Provided we don't have another pandemic that shuts things down for an entire quarter of a year. So there's a very real way to do it. The question is, would everybody agree to do it? I hope they would. That would be my vote. That would be that would get my vote. Hey, would you wait and just unpause? Whenever it's safe to do so. That's what I would prefer. It would make all of our fantasy leagues really easy. It would make the season really simple for these guys. Because no one could complain that they didn't have an opportunity. Teams would get players back that didn't have them. Which obviously is a little bit of an advantage for those teams. But overall, you're basically then just unpausing the universe. And that remains the most fair way to do things. Yeah, it's going to require more waiting. But that still gets my vote. I'm more than willing to wait and unpause on July 1st, if that's what it takes. Play it out. Do what you got to do. Play it out. I don't think there are going to be fans for any of these games. I don't think we see fans at any sporting event for at least, what do we think, five, six months, maybe more, maybe until there's a vaccine for this thing. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? We got to do a show. Tomorrow, we'll actually talk some fantasy sports, get back into the mock draft, and try to create a little normalcy. Once again, welcome to the world, to my second boy. Things are getting wild over here. Hope you guys have been great. Big thank you to everybody that reached out 
on uh, social media to pass along those kind words. Much appreciated. I'm at Dan Vespers on Twitter. This is Fantasy NBA Today Hoopball Presentation. Back at you tomorrow. We're back, everybody. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.